Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another OUinsider.com podcast. I'm RJ Young. I'm joined by OUI staff writer Colin Kennedy. And we're going to talk about the NFL draft, uh, injury to a star wide receiver, and filling each one of these positions that has been left vacant by guys that have been drafted in the NFL draft. So, Colin, uh, how you doing, man? Oh, we're getting through it. Having a good time with it, and I'm happy to be talking sports with you once again. Let's get on into it. Right on, brother. So, uh, a really good draft, uh, by my assessment, for Oklahoma with two first-round selections, uh, a third-round selection, and a second-round selection. And, you know, I wanted to see Parnell Motley get some run, and he ends up going undrafted, signs a contract with Tampa Bay. Now, Lee Morris is still out in the wind I hope something ends up going well for him. Same thing with Nick Basquin. But this is this is a weird year for undrafted free agents because we just haven't seen that many get signed for reasons I think have to do with pro dates and physicals. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as you know, and as others know, I also cover North Texas because it's the area I'm from and it's a program I'm very familiar with. And when pro days were canceled, you just knew immediately smaller schools like that were going to take major hits. And obviously a year ago, it was almost like a clearance sale when North Texas specifically undrafted for agents were going left and right. And now, I mean, we're talking about one of the most productive group of five quarterbacks in the history of football and Mason Fine. He still has yet to find a job, but that's because what NFL scouts are saying to him, they want to see him in person. And, you're not going to get that opportunity. And that's the same situation for so many other talented players. So for Parnell Motley, for, for Lee Morris, for Nick Basquin, and for R.J. Proctor, guys like that, it, it's very fortunate that they got those opportunities before all of this shut down. And still, there's a level of difficulty because you just don't know how to execute these transactions with what we're dealing with. So it's really unfortunate. I, I'm very sad to see so many really good players and guys kind of left out in the wind, but at the same time, I'm hopeful that once this thing dies down, there will be a second wave of aggressive undrafted free agent pursuance. At the same time, though, I will say I'm very, very happy for Parnell Molly specifically. That guy deserves everything that's coming his way. He's a great dude, obviously got out the mud, and for him to go to Tampa Bay, contender, a place that I think he's going to have a very real opportunity to contribute, just really happy for him. So it's 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 fascinating to watch all of this play out, but I was very excited to see those guys get drafted. And obviously as a Dallas Cowboys fan growing up, I'm pretty pleased with how that all turned out as well. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Parnell Miley, because if you pick off Tom Brady in practice, just keep the ball. Just, just keep the ball. 
just, just don't say anything. Just kind of walk off, pit it away. You know, maybe make Brady sign it after the fact. But now that's a really interesting yeah. and fun situation. Also, they need the cornerback help, so he has an opportunity to make that team. Like sincerely, so that's cool. Um, let's go to the draft, and and we'll get to well. Let's just go in order. Seventeenth overall pick. C.D. Lamb to my, your, Dallas Cowboys. News today is he is going to wear the same number as Drew Pearson, as Michael Irvin, as Antonio Bryant, if you're a real Cowboys fan. Yes, sir. And, of course, Dez Bryant. He's going to wear the 88. I'm so excited about this. And I love Will McClay and Mike McCarthy and that Mike McCarthy said to Will McClay, Get the best players that you possibly can. I will make them fit the system or, or make the system fit the players, which is not what the ginger clapper was doing. I don't think we've actually talked about this, but I couldn't stand that dude as a head coach. I couldn't wait for him to get fired. And I was very loud about it. Same thing with Scott Linehan. That's why I'm like, LSU fans, good luck. Good, good luck with that. But CeeDee Lamb is going to have an outstanding year. I'm speaking it into existence. It also means that Oklahoma has quite a battle that it needs to, it, it wanted to have between, I thought, perhaps Jaden Hazelwood and Theo Weiss for the spot left vacant by him. And now it seems like it's Theo Weiss and maybe what, Marvin Mims, perhaps? Yeah, you'd have to think that if Theo Howard gets healthy in time, which Lincoln Riley has indicated in the past that that's a potential option, he could contend for that spot. Obviously, we could go on and on. I'm sure you're not going to do a whole podcast about CeeDee Lamb to the Dallas Cowboys, but the vacancy that he has created by leaving the program is incredibly interesting. And then, obviously, the news of Jaden Hazelwood injured this offseason just makes it that much, more in, um, that much more intriguing to follow. I think, obviously, if I'm betting, it's going to be Theo Weiss. It's going to put him opposite Charleston Rambo. I think Rambo's going to be in for a very solid year, but... Obviously, we know what C.D. Lamb was able to accomplish in that exposition. And so for that reason, I think when you're looking for who can best follow suit and fill that role, it has to be Weiss, right? I mean, the guy has shown probably more than all three of those talented wide receivers that he can produce at a high level. Obviously, kind of the emerging game for him was Baylor down in Waco. And so with Hazelwood, if he is unable to recuperate that quickly, which I think we can all anticipate. If Theo Howard is out, then I would say Weiss fills the spot. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I also thought that Weiss was the most ready-made player of that of that receiving group, including Austin Stogner. I thought he was perhaps the, I agree. the, the best of the four from, from my evaluation. Now, you know, uh, I know that people feel some kind of way about Trajan Bridges because he can play three different positions, but I'm saying – Weiss could play three different positions. He just happens to be six foot three, two ten, you know. And he's a big body. He's a tremendous route runner, and he doesn't drop passes. Right? Uh, that's the big part about that that I think it's understated about his game. And he's coming out of an Allen High School that has produced nothing but players and stars, from Kyler Murray to Greg Little to Lee Morris, and on it goes because that's just a powerhouse down there. So I, I gotta believe it's him and. Uh, I think that's the silver lining is he knows now it's got to be him uh, for the foreseeable future, right? I mean, at best, you're talking about Trajan Bridges coming back after five games. Uh, we still think that you know, right now he's operating under suspension. If they get that overturned, then they get that overturned. But yeah, I got to believe it's it's Theo Weiss because you would want to give Marvin Mims an opportunity, one, to not have to be thrust into playing right away, but also 
I'm not so sure that he doesn't end up playing in the slot, you know, and this is going to be a really interesting year at receiver for the reasons that you mentioned with Theo Howard. Maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't. Obi Obialo is a wild card about where he's going to play. Where could he be that wide tight end? Could he play outside, inside? And of course, Charleston Rambo's just going to have to be the guy, right? And I think that is even more clearer than it was. Like, I think the last time that Riley spoke just going into uh, spring practice, it was when we were going to have spring practice, it was, now Rambo's a leader whether he wants to be or not. <laughs> and I was going, okay, does Charleston know that? And I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see. What do you think? Oh, I'm very excited because I think Rambo has the physical and natural tools to excel at that position. It's just we haven't really seen him in a situation where he's constantly the go-to guy. He's kind of played that second fiddle to CeeDee Lamb, or he was kind of the younger brother of Lamb and Marquise Brown. And now for him to take this kind of opportunity and receive this sort of platform, I think he's in for a big year. I just think that his natural combination of speed and I, I really do believe he's kind of underrated in terms of tracking the football when it's in the air. I think he's really good at that. And so with that in mind and with the Jaden Hazelwood situation, Rambo's going to get even more targets. And I think as a result, you're going to see this guy truly erupt in the Big 12 Conference and maybe even further because you saw him, that opportunity against Alabama, really excel for the reasons I mentioned. He just has such great ability and talent that is showcased whenever you give him the chance. So I think this season he's going to do exactly that, and I can't wait to see what all he can come up with production-wise. Kenneth Murray Jr., the 23rd overall selection in the draft over the weekend. The Los Angeles Chargers trade up with the New England Patriots to take him, and we're all excited about that because that's not just two first-round picks for Oklahoma, but it is the first first-round selection on the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma since Gerald McCoy in 2010 a win that Riley really needed on the recruiting trail to be able to show, especially from a guy that was rated a three-star coming out of high school, so you overproduced there. But looking at his position, I think we both classify him as a will, right? He called himself a Mike, they called him a Mike, but the position he played on the football field is will. Assuming Deshaun White is that guy that's going to play the middle linebacker position and basically be the captain on that defense in, in at least the calls, we're looking at a real interesting group of names here at the wheel linebacker position that I think includes not just Brian Mead, Brian Asamoa, but also Caleb, Caleb Kelly, which I think many people think ought to win the job, but Robert Barnes and Jamal Morris also moving down there make this interesting. How do you handicap this? Yeah, I think, in my opinion, Mead is going to have to be the backup Mike to Deshaun White. You want someone that they trust, and I believe that they trust Brian Mead, as you saw. He saw some pretty meaningful time last year, and so as a result, I would say that swaps him to the other side, which means, in my opinion, Caleb Kelly is probably the front runner easily to take the will spot with Brian Osamoa kind of being that next up. But I find this incredibly intriguing because you mentioned – Kenneth Murray was considered the Mike, but he also sort of played the will. He was allowed to be more aggressive, free-flowing, go sideline to sideline. But what I also found fascinating about his role last year, RJ, was the fact that in those dime packages specifically, he was asked, okay, can you step up to the line of scrimmage and rush the passer? It was that specific package that gave Texas fits in the Cotton Bowl. So who's going to do that? Who can be that linebacker that steps up to the line and provides a pass rush. In my opinion, I think Caleb Kelly is at his best 
when he's able to go after the quarterback. Now, I want to see, will they allow him to do that? Because that means you're taking Deshaun White off the field. So that's what really fascinates me about this quote-unquote position battle is how do they not only replace Kenneth Murray as a sideline-to-sideline playmaker in the run game or passing game, but how do they replace him from a pass rushing standpoint? Because what he was able to do off the edge in Grinch's scheme was disruptive and destructive for opposing offenses to handle. And whoever does that will have big shoes to fill next season. No, you bring up a great point there in uh, Murray's ability to line up in a foot nine and go kill the quarterback or at least make it difficult for people to function in that backfield. And Caleb Kelly has shown in the past that one of the best things that he does at Oklahoma is blitz. I I find this interesting, right? Because uh, Shane Witter and where he slots is going to tell us a lot. But also, can Jamal Morris or Robert Barnes provide something like that, right? Because if they can't, it's an, it's an easier decision to make because that's usually what has to happen. Like, one of the things that I thought was interesting about how Grinch chose to run the defense last year is he kept saying over and over again, I want to play as many guys as I possibly can. Some guys just, I can't play, right? And you were looking at the safeties where he basically didn't rotate in anybody, ever. It was Pat Fields and DeLair and Turner Yell. At linebacker, you thought like he could do that a little bit more, but Brian Mead and Brian Asamoah both were out of position more than they were in position, so much so that when Murray was not on the field, it was noticeable, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm interested there. Now, that's going to be – it's going to tell us a lot about the shape of the defense, let alone who's going to be, you know, perhaps those two inside guys. The other part about that that I wanted to ask was quite simply – do we expect this to be a deep group? Do we expect this group to be able to rotate in as much as Grinch would prefer? Especially when you have new faces, Witter, right? Uh, but also guys that haven't played that position ever in Barnes and Morris. And whether or not we think that Meade should be a backup, he's still a walk-on. And I think people forget that, right? He's a redshirt senior walk-on. I think I got that right. So it's it, yeah. it almost felt like a Caleb Gastelum situation for those of you that remember that name. <laughs> That's a name right there, and this is also a situation that you bring up. It's very intriguing because, as you mentioned, Grinch wants death, and I personally believe that Deshaun White and Caleb Kelly are very good football players. I think that both were able to provide a little bit of boost when they were in there. I thought Caleb Kelly had a very good game at Big Twelve title game. I thought Deshaun really came into himself as that cohort next to Kenneth Murray but at the same time with K-9 gone and you being unable to rotate those three as you saw them do that's going to ask more of those other guys and I I think of all of them I would bet the most on Brian Osamoa off the bat I think Witter is going to be able to do something if he can learn quickly I, I, I also would acknowledge your point that Meade is still a walk on and I did see some times where it was quite noticeable that he was out there. I think he's he's solid, but at the same time, I, I would also trust maybe one of those other guys a bit more if I need to go into crunch time with someone subbing in for Deshaun White. So I, I think when you ask the depth question, on paper it's a group that looks deep, but at the same time, I think that this is going to be a group that will have plenty of learning to do as a cohesive unit because they just frankly haven't been asked too much of before this because canine was able to do it at all so i think caleb kelly deshaun white will have to carry the load a lot beginning the season but as you go on i think that's where you'll really start to see that depth emerge as these guys get experience 
and a little bit more comfortable with their roles moving forward. So let's go from the first round to the second round. The Philadelphia Eagles, I think, surprised all of us when they used their 53rd overall pick on Jalen Hurts. And then Howie Roseman gave a quote that I think speaks to how little Howie Roseman watches of you know college football. He said, we look at Jalen Hurts the way that we looked at Nick Foles, to which I said, Nick Foles came off the bench to lead you through the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts got sat on the bench in the biggest game of his life in the national title game. I don't think that's the comparison you want to make. That said, they think the world of him because you don't take somebody in that spot that you don't expect to take over as the starting quarterback at some point, right? I thought it was a really interesting pick. Uh, if for no other reason than you, you got to assume that Carson Wentz is going to get hurt because he's been getting hurt. You definitely needed someone that you could depend on back there because that's really been a, a place of a weakness for them. They Wentz goes down. They don't have anybody else that is capable of carrying the team. And I haven't actually seen Jalen Hurts have to carry a team because he's had a CeeDee Lamb. He's had a Jerry Judy. He's had outstanding running back play. He's had outstanding offensive line play. It was a curious uh, decision. So let, let's start with that. Did you did you like it? I, when grading the picks, I gave it a C okay. because I, not only because of what you bring up, you, you say, okay, you take a guy there, you expect him to play. You also take a guy there and you don't address some of the other needs that they have in that roster. That to me means you better be playing him a lot because mm. they could have gone wide receiver two or three times in that draft, in my opinion. And for them not to do it. And by the way, it was also surprising when they picked Rager over Jefferson. That's just me getting off track, but hurts to be the guy there. And for them to say, look, we knew we weren't going to get him the next time we were drafting him. So we wanted him here. That speaks volumes to me because I thought they could have easily gone with some more weapons to help out once they could have gone maybe on the offensive line to protect once, but instead they got a guy that will be subbing in for Wentz. So in my opinion, it's a head scratcher at best, right? I, I, I think they're probably planning on utilizing him in a Taysom Hill kind of way. You know how I feel about that. Taysom Hill's grow, don't, don't grow on trees, everybody. Get that out of your head. And Jalen Hurts right now is still a guy learning the game of football. You saw him do that in his one season at OU. That's why he was able to finally get in a standing where the Eagles could take him at 53. But this guy is still trying to grow as a football player. You cannot convince me he's ready to play in four or five different positions while also learning an entirety of an offense as a backup quarterback and eventual heir apparent. It's just, I, I don't want to say I'm concerned about the pick, but to me, the Eagles could have gone in several different directions there. It was not a position of need, in my opinion, and for them to take Hurts in that spot, I would hope they have a plan to utilize him effectively, or in my opinion, it's just a, a sad pick in the end of it all. So, a couple things there. Uh, not only heir apparent, but you just gave Carson Wentz a, a really big contract extension, so it's not like he's going anywhere. Um, the second part yeah. about that, you said Taysom Hill don't grow on trees, and I'm going, Joe Webb is Taysom Hill. You know, like there's <laughs> there, there are athletes that can throw footballs out there. I, I And you know what? There are athletes that can throw footballs out there that haven't had knee surgeries in college, by the way. Like, ugh. Yeah. I just... I. I can't get behind Taysom Hill as a as a as a need. A gadget player, a guy that is nice to have if you have the roster space, but 
if that's the way that you're looking at Jalen Hurts and you're not looking at him as a quarterback, then then you've screwed this up several different ways. That said, we got to move on to what Oklahoma's going to do. And do we need to really spend more time yelling about Spencer Riley's going to get the job? Is that what we need to do? <laughs> I don't think so. I okay. think this one's kind of cut and dry if we do say so ourselves. I mean, Spencer Rattler's the dude. He's taken over. Everyone thinks he's going to be the next special quarterback in the University of Oklahoma, and I don't blame him. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what he's able to accomplish next year. Yeah. Let's go to third round. Neville Gallimore drafted once again by our Dallas Cowboys, which means that we could Mm. quite literally end up with the interior defense being Oklahoma-made. Gerald McCoy and Neville Gallimore as defensive tackles would make me so very giddy. But that also means that it's just a glaring hole that Oklahoma needs to fill that Gallimore was really good with last year. And there's lots of different candidates for this job. I mean, the two JUCOs and Perion Winfrey and Josh Ellison, but also Jalen Redman, who is projected first round pick next year by some. And of course, LaRon Stokes, who was defensive player of the year and the newcomer of the year uh, in the Big 12. And then I think there's some a couple other guys down on the depth chart like Marcus Hicks that I would really expect to get some run. Yeah, it's it's a very intriguing group. I, I think at the end of it all, you're kind of going to have to lean on some of those more experienced guys to fill that role early and often. I have said on record that I am hoping LaRon Stokes takes that next step because, okay, you went from nothing to the Big 12 newcomer of the year defensively. Now, what do you do from there? Can you go from newcomer to maybe a all-Big 12 second team? Because if you get to that accomplishment, that's all you can really ask of out of this guy and Gallimore leaving to me is bigger than just the the spot. This dude was allowed in his final season to just penetrate in that one gap scheme and go. And as a result, it forced offensive linemen to double team him and account for him wherever he lined up, which in my opinion is one of the main reasons why a talent like Ronnie Perkins was able to see one-on-one matchups fairly frequently. And it's also one of the main reasons why a guy like John Michael Terry was also just able to see those frequent one-on-one matchups and really excel before he suffered that injury. Nick Benito, David Uwebu, so on and so forth. But the bottom line here is that Gallimore, in my opinion, really opened things up for the other guys on the defensive line. And who's going to be able to do that? In my opinion, it's it's hard to see a number one candidate here. I think Stokes is probably the guy you favor. But I also would want to bring up that guys like Perrion Winfrey or, or Josh Ellison – Dudes that rank as the number one, number two defensive tackles in JUCO, according to 24-7 Sports Composite, they came in measured a little bit slider than what they were listed beforehand. So that is also something that I'm keeping track of because, as we know, Gallimore's a big boy with freak athleticism, and if you're going to fill his spot, you got to have a similar skill set. So for those reasons, I, I think I would lean Stokes here as maybe the standout candidate to fill, mm. Perry on Josh, and then the others – to follow suit. It's just fascinating how the interior defensive line will eventually shape up. Yeah, my, my dark horse here is still Marcus Hicks. Um, I He had hamstring issues, put on a lot of weight very quickly. Body wasn't ready to hold it up. Uh, a year later, he is still one of the most athletic players on the entire team. Uh, heavyweight wrestling state champion uh, and tremendous speed and get off. When he was being projected as an end, I was, I was bullish, but as a defensive tackle, I think especially as a as a three technique, he could be outstanding. I, I really think that he could show some things to to lead you to believe that he's the next first-round pick on that defense. Uh, I want to go from that to Parnell Motley's spot, 
I know he's undrafted, but it was he who I thought was the best defensive back playing last year for Alex Grinch among all of them. I mean, Parnell Motley puts the shackles on Jalen Rager, puts the shackles on Denzel Mims, puts the shackles on Jamar Chase, can't get drafted. All right, so that guy needs to get replaced. Trey Brown, we we know. He's, his spot is his. But with Trey Norwood coming back and Jaden Davis really showing that he could do this through the first half of the season last year, what do you think? Who do you think ends up taking that spot left vacant by Parnell Motley? I, I'm fascinated by this potential battle because I think, like you said, we, we saw a lot of people give Jaden Davis slack because of what he did in the second half of the season, but I think that was just to be expected with any true freshman having to play as much as he did. I think in the first half, like you're mentioning, he was pretty good, and they asked him to not only line up a corner, but he lined up in the nickel spot. He lined up as that dime guy. He was all over the field, and I think he's learned a lot. And for that reason, I think he's a very strong contender to fill that role. However, we all know that I'm a big Trey Norwood guy. I just think that this dude can do it all and can do it all for good reason. I mean, depending on how much you put stock in the PFF numbers, he, I won't say it enough. He was the one of the top cornerbacks in the nation on third down when he was playing. And that's the money down, in my opinion. You've got to make a living on stopping passing opportunities on third down. And for that reason, if I'm knowing that on a third down situation, I got to make sure that the number one wide receiver does not get the ball in his hands. I'm trusting Trey Norwood at all those guys. So I think for that reason, I think you're going to see Norwood probably take the spot early on. Then I think Jaden Davis can substitute or maybe even continue to play that dime role, which I think is incredibly valuable in the Big 12 conference. And so while these two will battle whenever we get football back, I just know that Norwood is a guy that has a massive chip on his shoulder. He has the talent to play it. I think he's also constantly been involved in those meeting rooms and situations, even when he was injured. And so for that reason, I have him as the top contender to fill that position. His versatility cannot be overstated. That's one of the, the strongest arguments for Trey Norwood on the football field. He can play free. He can play strong. He can play corner. He was in this really weird Ruffin McNeil three-safety defense. He was a guy that had, uh, I want to say, the field third. But it was weird, but it's still something he can, he can add. And coming out of Fort Smith, Arkansas, he's already overachieved for me. And I would not be at all shocked to see him lock up one of these starting positions or if you get the luxury of using him as a as a dime back absolutely um before we get out of here uh I thought this was a fun question maybe you'll think it's a fun question which player is most likely to show up out of shape just haven't hasn't done anything whatsoever <laughs> dang you're gonna put me on the spot like that yeah just been on oh. the James Grim Reaper Roper diet I that that's brutal. I would say <laughs> I'm going to the offensive line if I have to. Okay. And I mean, it depends on how much you you think that they're going to eat. Because, like, in my opinion, if Bray Walker does not have a massive amount of weight next to him, a mountain of a man like that's going to be consuming an incredible amount of calories. So I don't think he'll be necessarily out of shape, out of shape. But I mean. That dude's probably knocking out a few pizzas in his free time, right? I would, I would think so. Uh, I'm gonna go with Spence Jones. Uh, what do you do, man? You, you, you hold the ball. <laughs> you hold the ball. No, no, nobody cares if, if the place kick holder is out of shape. You know, it's the 
it's one of the coolest and like xylophony jobs of all time in football. And I get that my man thinks of himself as a wide receiver. I would show up much more looking like a tight end going, what are you going to do? Ask me not to run routes. Come on. I catch the snap. I put the snap down. The guy kicks the extra point. What do you, what do you want from me? You know, like I, that, that's where I think this was getting fun for me. It's like, what job on a football field would it really not matter for me to be in shape? Because we notice a punter, but you don't need to be in shape. So, like, you know, if if, if Munchow wanted to show up an extra 40 pounds overweight, can still punt the ball and keep his flexibility, fine. Uh, if Gabe Burkich wanted to get his Sebastian Janikowski on, I think we'd all be okay with that. That'd be fine. You're, you're the kicker. But as the place kick holder, we don't care if you show up looking like a bowling ball. Just, you know, catch the snap. Put the snap down. Laces out. I think that's where I was going. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to make you talk about one of these kids in a, in a piss poor way. <laughs> I'm just sitting here like, I mean, I got no rhyme or reason to talk. I know I got to get back on my routine ASAP because I'm about to be out of shape as heck once we start football season. I got to roam around on that field. I know that for sure. But no, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, everything that I can account from, from what I've heard, I mean, these guys have really yeah. taken to this weird situation and they've been working really hard. I'm sure everyone that we're talking about and more have really put the time into to do what they want to do this season. And I think it's been fascinating to follow these guys. They put it out on social media, what they're doing to make sure they stay in shape. But I know I got to make sure that I'm following too, because I got no room to talk at this moment. <laughs> My man has got the peach bluebell out. Oh dude, it's dangerous. It's top, it's top two ice creams and it ain't number two. <laughs> My man. That's Colin Kennedy. Follow him on the Twitters at CKennedy247. I have deleted my Twitter account. Uh, Thanks, y'all. Subscribe. Rate it five stars. We'll see you next week.